Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. I am your consuming fire. I am your consuming fire. I am the all consuming fire. I am the refining fire, the cleansing fire, the purifying fire, the purging fire. You already have the fire of who I am within you. as you stir up that gift that is within you then you allow me as the all consuming fire to consume you to refine you but I'm also the wind and the fire and as I breathe in you by my Holy Spirit I not only come with my breath that breathes life into you, but there's also the fire of my spirit that consumes you. And as you fan into flame that gift that is within you, the fire of my Holy Spirit, that consumes things that are not of me. It doesn't allow things to take root, to have a grip or to affect you. But that all-consuming fire grows desire, hunger, longing that is already on the inside of you. But as you fan into flame, as you worship, as you fan into flame, as you pray, as you fan into flame, as you give yourself to me, me as the all-consuming fire grips you, consumes you fills your thinking, fills your mind, fills your desires, fills your heart, fills every fibre of your being with who I am. So the longing of your heart and the longing of your life and the longing of what is taking place in you longs after me to walk with me, to keep in step with me, to keep in line with me. Because there's no room for other things to get a grip or to take a hold or to influence or to seduce you away. Seduction is burnt up in the fire of my spirit. Temptation doesn't have room to become action and therefore sin because the fire resists temptation and say, no, I don't want to go anywhere near that because there's something more going on in me than to be tempted away or seduced to this, that or the other because the one who consumes me, the one who is my desire, the one who is my fulfilment, my satisfaction and in every way my entertainment fills me, satisfies me. So I don't need entertaining from anywhere else or somebody else because He is my fulfilment and satisfaction because in the fire I'm sowing to the Spirit, not sowing to the flesh. John the Baptist prophesied 
about my son Jesus saying that he was going to come with the Holy Spirit and with fire because I am the all-consuming fire. He's not just going to come with the Holy Spirit to live in you, but He comes with the fire. And where the fire is, there's power. Where the fire is released, the power is released. Where there's fire, there is love. And so as you stir up that gift that is within you, the fire of my Spirit increases. But then there's also a release and increase of the power, but also the love. Faith releases the power with the fire working with the love. So you have faith working through love, which releases my power, my life, my victory, my overcoming, my salvation, my healing, my deliverance, breakthroughs, release everywhere. There is overcoming because my fire cannot be defeated by sin, by sickness, by anything else, because the fire burns what is not of me and releases what is of me. My Word says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So you're not trying to get the fire. You're not trying to strive to get something you don't already have. You have the fire of my Spirit if you know me. And my Word says then to stir up that gift that is within you. But my Word says don't put out the Spirit's fire, but stir it up. If you don't stir it up, if you don't press into that, it begin, the flame begins to decrease till there are embers. That's when things get boring. When you're like, well, where is God? Where is He? Or it's a bit boring. Or when's He going to do this, that or the other? Or I'm a bit bored with this, a bit bored with that. It's because the stirring up within you has been left to the side. Where there's no revelation, there's no stirring up. Where there's no faith, there's no stirring up. Where there's no love, there's no stirring up. Where there's no power, it's because there's been no stirring up. Where there's been no release, it's because there's been no stirring up. You see, my kingdom works in certain ways. And you can't operate in my kingdom ways unless you operate in those kingdom ways. You can't take the things of my spirit and turn them into the ways that you would like to do things or you would like to see things. You have to cooperate with the things of my kingdom and the ways of my spirit so that how they operate in, in my kingdom and how they operate will then operate in your life. And when you operate in those things in your life, you will then see the king, the things of the kingdom being released. You will then see the life, the power, the salvation the healing deliverance on a level and a scale that I'm already at work and ready to release. And as you line yourself up, as you align yourself by stirring up that gift within you, the fire is there, the fire is there, the fire is there. No one who knows me can say, I don't have the fire. Because when I baptise you with my spirit, I came with my spirit and with fire. Stir up that gift that is 
within you. Stir up that gift that is with what happens when you stir up the gift, when you stir up the fire. It's like you're a sailing ship with a mast, with sails and with rigging. And when you stir up that gift that is within you, the mast is held secure. Because when you stir up that gift within you, revelation comes. My Word comes alive in you. And that mast, the mast of your life is held secure. And as you stir up that gift, that fire within you, the breath, the wind of my Spirit begins to blow. But if the wind of my Spirit is going to blow, the sails need to be out as far as they can be. The rigging needs to be tight. Things need to be in order because when my Spirit blows, everything's got to be tight to be able to be moved in the direction it needs to. Anything that's flapping around will drag you to the left or to the right and there won't be a true course set through the storms set through the things that come against you, set through the things that want to slow you down and hold you back and push you down. And so in your life, I want you to live with your life wide open, fully open as far as you can stretch open towards me. With the mast held secure, the rigging in place saying, Father, I surrender everything to you. I submit everything to you. Every facet of rigging, every thought, every desire, every longing, every way that I live, every decision I make, I want them all, the rigging to be tight. I want it to be tied down to your Word so that the rigging is rooted in your Word. And as it's rooted in His Word, the rigging stays tight. The sails can stay in place. And then what does the captain of the ship do? He moves the tiller, which then, along with moving the sails to catch the, the direction of the wind, but the sails have to be tight. The sails are never left to flap around in the wind because that's when they get ripped and torn and damaged. That's when everything come, gets out of kilter and the ship begins to lean in ways it shouldn't and the water comes on board in the way that begins to swamp it to try and drown it. Your life is like a ship, sailing ship. The sails out wide, and the rigging in place, and the mast held secure. How do you stay like that? Stir up the gift that is within you. Continue to stir up the gift that is within you. There is an enemy that constantly wants to put you down. There is an enemy that wants to constantly take you to the right or to the left. There's an enemy that wants you to live by your emotions, by your feelings. There's an enemy that wants to point you constantly back to the past, saying that, no, you're not there yet. You're not there where he is talking about. You're still back there. Look at your life. Look at your mind. Look at your thoughts. Look at what you said to that person. The enemy always wants to point you to say, no, that is not true. But what does Jesus do? He always points us to the truth. 
He says, this is who you are. This is what I have done. This is what you have on the inside of you. Continue to fan that into flame. Why does He say that? Because He knows if we don't, we get seduced to the left or to the right. Or temptation then can become a response. A decision therefore turns into sin. That, that robs our confidence. That robs our peace and it robs our joy. So why does... Paul say to Timothy, stir up that gift within you in 2 Peter 1. He follows that verse by saying, stir up that gift within you. He said, for God has not given you a spirit of timidity, a spirit of weakness or timidity or fear, but He's given you the spirit of power, love and have a sound mind or self-discipline. What does that mean, self-discipline? It it means stuff in your life is being led by the Spirit. And so He says, stir up that gift within you, stir up that gift within you. Because when you do that, there's a release of power, there's a release of love. You find that God's love flows and leaks out of you. But there's also a life that is then led by the Spirit. No one else can stir up that gift within you apart from yourself. We can only do that in our own lives. What happens when you stir up that gift that is within you? You begin to see things. God begins to show you things. You begin to get insight. You begin to get understanding. You begin to get revelation. You begin to discern things, sense things spiritually in a way that you didn't before. Why? Because you're stirring up that gift. The fire is at work on the inside of you. And therefore you're more in tune with the Holy Spirit, with His voice and what He's saying prophetically to you in your own life, but also to the church prophetically what He's saying. But you also find you're catching things. What is He saying to the nation? And you begin to get a bigger picture and you realise as the fire is stirred up within you, that that life doesn't centre around me. centres around God and what His purposes are. And when you stir up that fire within you, you're less interested in yourself and you're more interested in who God is and where He's going and how you can join in with Him and how we then collectively move together with Him and in Him. So if everyone is a ship with our lives fully open and the wind and fire of His Spirit working in us, what does that make us? It makes us an armada of ships. What does an armada of ships do? An armada of ships goes into war to get a victory and a breakthrough and to overcome so that those who aren't able to go into war can then come into that victory because the armada has gone out ahead to establish that victory. That's who He's called the church to be, an armada of people that are setting out in front of the people that don't know God so that we get victories for them, so that we can come back with the spoils of victory and say, they are yours. You can come into that same victory, the same salvation, the same healing the same freedom, the same abundance, the same everything that we have, you can have. It's yours because somebody bought it for you. He's called Jesus. What happens when the fire is stirred up on the inside? Will you stir up the fire within you? It's not that God's never going to stir the fire up in you. He's put it in us. It says in Acts chapter 2 there, the day of Pentecost. He said the Holy Spirit 
suddenly a violent wind came where the 120 were. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that rested on them. What happened to Peter? Few few days before, a few weeks before he was denying Jesus. He was saying, no, I wasn't a follower of Him. Suddenly the Holy Spirit blows and moves. Suddenly the fire of the Holy Spirit comes on him and the the, the, all the timidity and the fear and the denying went and there was a boldness there there was a power there there was a life there there was His love there suddenly standing up in front of thousands preaching the Gospel and where, you know, and He's even saying to them hey you guys you put Him to the cross and everything else He wouldn't have said that a few days earlier but now the fire of the Spirit is on the inside of Him something changed a boldness confidence stir up that gift within you you become a different person you become like Jesus <laughs> you're not going to become some weirdo you're going to become like Jesus because he moved in the fire of the Holy Spirit he said father he said to everybody else he said all the people he said I can only do what I see my father doing I can only say the words my Father gives me to say. So Jesus showed how to live as a human being in total dependence on the Father. So Jesus never healed anybody because He was Jesus. He healed somebody because He was dependent on the Holy Spirit to show Him what the Father was doing. And when the Holy Spirit showed Jesus what the Father was doing, He moved towards it and then acted. He spoke the Word. He laid hands on somebody. He went and sat in the tax collectors and sinners' houses that blew all the fuses of the Pharisees saying, you're a teacher, you're a rabbi. What are you doing sitting with, in quotes, unclean people, sinners? What are you doing with them? And what did He say? He said, I'm not after sacrifice. I'm not after you trying to be religious and trying to live right. He said, I didn't come to save the righteous. He said, I came for those who do not know God, who are unrighteous, who haven't been forgiven, who haven't been set free. He said, they're the ones I've come for. And Jesus sat down with people in their homes, in their lives. He said, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. What does the fire do when we stir up the fire that is within us? I don't know, I'm not opening my eyes here. I don't know what you're doing, but don't don't just look at me and listen. You might want to close your eyes. And as I'm speaking, you might want to just be responding as this is more of a thing like that. It's not a sit and listen message this morning. So whatever you're doing, sit there or stand there or kneel or whatever you're doing, but close your eyes and, and just be responding to what God is saying at this moment. When you stir up the fire, when you stir up that gift, what else happens? You become a watchman. Every believer, every Christian is called to be a watchman. What does a watchman do? A watchman looks out for signs of enemy activity. A watchman is looking out for anything that might come towards the city that might cause trouble, that might want to attack. And the watchman is looking out. That's one part of being a watchman. 
A watchman reads the situation, he can see it. And they also then let everybody know the city, right now go out, now you can go out, now go out. It's the right time, it's the right moment. The watchman looks out, so the weather coming, it looks bad. So we're going to just hunker down for a bit. But then the weather changes, let's get out there now because, and what does a watchman do? He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And God calls every believer to be a watchman. Now, what does that mean scripturally? It means somebody who is listening to the Holy Spirit. Somebody who is praying in alignment with the Holy Spirit. But also, watchmen have a responsibility to to act in response to the Holy Spirit. So watchmen are people of prayer, but they're also people of action. They pray and they go. They pray and they go. God doesn't call anyone just to be a prayer. I only pray. I don't do anything else. I just pray. Well, God doesn't call anybody just to pray and that's all they do. The other side of it, God doesn't call anybody just to go. I just go. I don't pray. I don't do that. Somebody else can pray. I just go. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible. God calls us to be people that humble ourselves before Him as watchmen. Sometimes in the secret place, sometimes gathering together, whatever it might look like. And what does a watchman do? He discerns, he's listening. What is God saying? What is he doing? We begin to pray in line with that. We begin to speak and declare in line with that. But also then we know how to act because God gives strategy. God gives steps. God gives direction. As a watchman, he begins to lead out. Jane was reading a book recently and she shared this the other night when the Titanic was out obviously on its only voyage there was another ship that was ahead called the California and they'd already seen some of the icebergs and gone around them and they sent message they signalled you know, Morse code or whatever they had to, however they signaled to the Titanic, they said, oh, just to let you know, there's some icebergs ahead. This is where they are, uh, just so that you can navigate around them and you don't hit them. So they'd already given them, they already told them and let them know. But whatever the Titanic did, it just carried on. Obviously, we know the story. And from the California, the watchman on the California was looking out and he could see these lights and these lights had stopped. These light, He could see the lights had stopped. And then he could see flares going up into the air, these flares, distress flares. And as he looked at that, he's like, wow, they're in distress. We've got to go and help them. So he ran and found the captain who was down below somewhere. I don't know what he was doing, having his lunch or something, whatever, or, or I don't know, but he was down below. And he said, hey, captain, and he explained the situations. We've got to do something. We've got to go and help them. The distress flares are up and we've sent them signal already, but they obviously either didn't get them, didn't listen, but they've hit something or they've stopped. There's a problem. Come on, we've got to go. And the captain turned around and said, no, we're not doing anything. We're not going. And when you read certain things and in that book, it explained that if that ship, the California had gone, they reckon most, 
possibly even all of the lives. I'm sure there'll be one or two lost just because of the scenario, but they, they, they said probably all, if not, or most, if not all, would have been saved if the California had gone. So we don't want to just be watchmen that pray and have vision and get excited and waiting for the Holy Spirit just to drop on us. It's like God saying, we've had our day of Pentecost. If you're a believer and you know Jesus, you have the fire within you. We have the fire. And Paul, the apostle saying, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Stir up that gift that is within you. What does... Paul say around that phrase, do not be put out to the Spirit. The verse before says, be joyful always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Then what does it say? Do not put out the Spirit's fire. How do you stay joyful always? How do you pray continually? How do you give thanks no matter what the circumstances? By staying, by stirring up the fire. Then what follows? It then says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. When you're stirring up the Spirit's fire and you hear a prophetic word, you don't just go, I don't like that or no, that's not God or whatever. There's a discernment that goes on. And any prophetic word that comes, you don't go, you don't treat it with contempt. You don't say, well, even if it's God, I'm not doing it anyway or whatever. When you're stirring up that Spirit, it's the fire of the Spirit. When God speaks prophetically or directly, however He does it into our lives, we listen, we discern, we take note. It says, test everything. We give space to test it. Hold on to the good. Then it says, avoid every kind of evil. How do you avoid every kind of evil? Stir up the gift that is within you, the fire that is within you. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. How do you stay in that place like that? Stir up the fire. Stir up the gift that is within you. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. How does that happen? Keep stirring up that gift that is within you. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit, not just to bless us, not to give us nice feelings. He's given us the Holy Spirit to reveal who He is, to speak into our lives, to hear from Him, to be led by Him. How do we do it? Keep that fire stoked. Stir up that gift. Stir up the fire. The fire. What happens then? The power of the Holy Spirit gets released. The love of the Holy Spirit gets released. Whatever God wants to do in and through our lives. Just want to share a couple of other things with us this morning. You're doing all right out there? a dream that somebody had earlier in the week that I just want to read out to you and then someone else had a vision that I want to share with you as well this is the dream that somebody had on Tuesday night after the first encounter evening see this is what God's been doing all week it's to do with fire power love being watchmen but what for why none of these things 
but for an end in themselves. We're not doing this as an internal, introspective, introverted thing. It's all for one thing. This is the why. This is what they wrote. I went to bed excited at what God is doing. I had a fitful sleep and he woke me and said clearly to be prepared as he was about to show me some things in the spirit. I went back to sleep. This, this person has quite a lot of dreams uh, in terms of how, what God, how God speaks to them and, and brings stuff for us as a church or encourages, strengthens, confirms. I went back to sleep and he took me to different scenarios around our town to show me what's going on and will happen if we don't contend seriously in the spirit as we did last night. So before we carry on, one of the things about being a watch, one of the things about prayer, when we pray, there are things that don't happen and are stopped happening because we pray. When we don't pray, there are things that happen that shouldn't happen but because we haven't prayed, they've happened. That's the same with some actions that go with the prayer. We'll come back to that in a moment. Then he showed me the drugs problem in the town. He took me to the most depraved, impoverished place where drugs rule people's lives and minds. And it was absolutely beyond awful. I saw the death that lingers over these people the cost they pay and that death hovers at their door. I saw demons waiting to collect their souls and also the death and the violence that goes on. What a phrase. I saw demons waiting to collect their souls. The devil is just laughing at people. Everything there in the middle of it, he's just laughing. He does not care what people get into as long as they don't find God. And he's just waiting there, rubbing his hands. I'm just waiting till I can collect that one, collect that one, and that's it. For eternity, they're gone. They're not God's, they're mine. Then I was taken to see a physical battle between the angels and demons. I watched as they engaged in ferocious fighting there was one demon who towered over the rest. It was huge and it was pitch black with massive black wings. And they were contending with the angels to be allowed down to earth. That was the spiritual battle going on. I also saw a lot of women that had the appearance of prostitutes and places that they gather. And very disturbingly in this dream, what she saw in the spirit, I witnessed one of these ladies being murdered. Needless to say, I woke extremely shaken, feeling physically sick and pretty terrible. But I trust the Lord is showing us this because He wants us to step into this warfare that is not against flesh and blood. And that now I've seen some of the powers and principalities and stuff it's just got very real. What is God looking at? What does He see? He sees the depravity. He sees the death. He sees the addictions. He sees the spiritual poverty as well as natural poverty. 
And in there, the way that God has been getting us to pray more recently, not nice prayers, not prayers from the head. They say, oh God, would you do this? God, would you do that? The kind of prayer that He's been getting us to pray more recently is more to cry, passionate. What does it say about Jesus in Hebrews 5 verse 7? It said, Jesus was, um, He prayed with loud cries and tears. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now here's Jesus, the Son of God, and, and he's described in Hebrews as praying with loud cries and tears. I know some people say, I don't do loud prayers like that. Well, the Holy Spirit does. And we have to surrender, submit our lives to the Holy Spirit. You, none of us can tell the Holy Spirit how we're gonna pray. Well, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, that's not my style. I don't do loud cries and tears. I don't do all that kind of what I think is shouting or having a go at God. (laughs) None of us are going to shout at God. But we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us in the way that He knows how the prayer needs to be to get the breakthroughs at the scale that God is speaking about in these days. And so we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, whatever style of prayer you want, I'm up for it. You might have to teach me and help me, grace me, because I can't do that in my own strength. That's none of us can. Some people, you, some here might say, well, prayer meetings aren't my thing. Prayer meetings are every believer's thing. Some people might say, well, the worship not so much my thing. I like the Word. Well, we're all called to be worshippers. God is gathering the troops. God is gathering the troops. God is gathering the troops. And He's not gathering on the parade ground to have another parade. Another do this, do that, do the other. It's all neat, clean and tidy. Now you can go and have a cup of tea. He's gathering the troops now on the battlefield to advance, to go forward. And He's called that those troops an army of light an army of His glory, an army who are going to be, want to be right on the front end of what He's doing, right in that battlefield. Then uh, the other lady that had this vision, this was after Wednesday evening. It was either during the evening meeting or just afterwards. And the, the title of this vision is called The Strong Tower. And first of all, there's a scripture from Judges verse, uh, chapter 9. It says, Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes and took it. But there, was a strong, uh, but there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and women and all the people of that city fled there and shut themselves in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. And this is what she saw. She said, I saw Kingdom Faith in Foundry Lane as a strong tower. It was not a new tower and was made of ancient old bricks that had a look of time-tempered wisdom about them. It was solid and sturdy and had stood for a very long time. Many thousands knew it was there, but they took no notice of it and went about their daily business ignoring it. 
some walking past it several times a day, never stopping, even though the door was always open to them. Suddenly I saw the earth shake under their feet as the earth quaked and the people were then rooted in fear. They suddenly recognised the evil of the darkness falling around them and they saw the rate at which their world was darkening. They were losing their sight and sense of direction. Rocks like meteorites and stones fell from the sky towards them and then they saw the size and the hatred of an enemy coming against them that had been lurking in the shadows. Fires were breaking out around them. Buildings they thought had been safe were set ablaze and they were so fearful that they started to run around in panic looking for a safe place. Those that remembered or saw the strong tower ran towards its open door. They were scared and did not understand what was happening. They needed answers, light and peace and a place of food, rest and shelter. And I believe the Lord said or felt the Lord say to me, is this strong tower ready to receive the many? Are you prepared for the coming harvest? because they will come running in large numbers. Are you prepared to receive the scared, the panicking, the angry, the wounded and the hungry? Are you ready to give up your time and everything you have known before? Are you ready? Time is short. If you haven't closed your eyes just close your eyes if you want to get on your knees if you're not already then feel free to get on your knees we're not here just to have a meeting on a Sunday morning we're gathered here under the Lordship and the rule of Jesus Christ we're here as his children we're here as his family we're here as his army we're here as his troops to respond to our commander, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're here to make sure our lives are wide open like the sails on that ship. We're here to say, like Isaiah, when he had that encounter with God in his holiness, and he said, woe is me, I am undone for I have seen the Lord. And he understood then if somebody saw the Lord, their understanding was if I see God, I'm going to die. And he said, my, my, and, and my life is undone. And, and then God came or an angel came from the altar with a, with, with a coal of fire. And, and the, that, the angel then touched Isaiah's lips with that coal of fire. And then God said to him, that I've touched you and purified you and made you holy. In that moment, Isaiah was like, God, you're so holy. I can't even, I'm anywhere near you because you're so holy. Because he understood that God was an all-consuming fire. And in that moment of encounter, there was an awe, there was a reverence. There was, he, he was, and his only response was, I'm undone, I'm unclean. Look at the state of me compared to you. But then God came and He said, no, it's okay, here you go, here's my holy life. 
And that's what God did in every one of us that has given their lives to the Lord. We came, repented of our sin. He forgave us. He took all the old out, all the rubbish out, everything that was unworthy that, that we could never reach God ourselves. And instead He put His life, His holiness in us that makes us acceptable so we can come before Him boldly and confidently before His throne of grace. So we come before Him in that way. We don't come groveling. We don't come saying, God, I'm unclean. I'm a mess. I'm this, that, and the other. No, we come before Him saying, Jesus, I want to bow before You as my Saviour, as my Lord, as my King. Father, I want to surrender myself afresh to You because there are things You want to do through me, through us. There are miracles waiting to happen, Father, that You want to do through me or through us as a body. And I want to be ready. I want to be aligned. Today is the day of salvation. And God has been speaking through that dream and through that vision. Are we ready for our lives to be interrupted? Colin's word earlier, so important. Because there are easily things that we can give ourselves to that on one level are not necessarily sin in themselves. It's not like, right, I'm going to do this now because this is it. You know, but we can spend time doing things, watching things, uh, or whatever that time looks like. That on one level, in harvest, and as God wants to release what He wants to release, and that, well, He is releasing what, but as that increases, we won't have time to do some of the things we have time to do now maybe. But the thing is, it won't be, oh, I can't do that now. Because we stir up the fire, that gift that is within us, you won't be interested in that stuff anymore. Because the interest that would have grabbed you is, I want to go and actually be with that person or why don't you come round or let's meet together or let's go and invite those guys round or, or take them out for lunch or dinner or let's go and have a drink together somewhere because there are people you want to reach and chat to because you're more interested in that than let's have an evening in just doing this, that or the other. Having an evening in, there's nothing wrong with that. But as we stir up that gift within us, as we stir up that gift within us, the fire of the Spirit, your desires change, your focus changes. As you stir up that gift within us, there's some other stuff that can be going on in our lives that might have got a grip, that might have got a stronghold, that might have got an effect. And as we walk forward daily, stirring up that gift within you, you'll find the grip of those things begins to get burnt up, begins to get unstuck and begins to fall away because the desires and the passions that are growing up in you are different because they're from God. They, the other things cannot stay any longer because that fire cleanses and purifies and everything else. And along with the Word in our lives, because Jesus said to the disciples at the Last Supper when, when He was going to wash their feet, Peter said, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. And He said, uh, he said just wash all of me. And He's like, no, 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 you've already been cleansed by the Word that I've spoken to you. So we know that the Word cleanses, getting the truth in our life, keeps us in line with Him, breaks the power of the enemy because it's truth, it's truth that sets us free. Word and Spirit working together. So it's not just stirring up the fire. So it's like, do I feel the fire yet? Do I feel the fire yet? No, some of the fire is like a furnace deep within you. 
And you know when you're stirring up that fire, there's a furnace on the inside of you. So that when you're living during the day, when you're going about your daily life and stuff starts kicking off around you, or you could be drawn to the left, the right, or something says something, you could react and all that. When there's that furnace of that fire that is being stirred up in your life on an ongoing basis, you find in you there's something else happening. You find, I'm not going to react to that. Actually, I'm just going to forgive. I'm going to be gracious. I'm not going to join in that conversation. If anything, I want to try and bring something different into it. You find there's something going on in you that says, no, I don't want to go near that. I don't want to switch that. I don't want to watch that. Why? Because there's something in you saying, no, 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 no. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I don't want to sit and watch that. Or I don't want to have that kind of conversation with somebody. Or I don't want to. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will always lead you and guide you to the truth. He'll always lead you and guide us to Jesus. What would He do? What would He say? How would He be? Why is this time, not just this morning, but this time, so important at the beginning of the year? We're at the start of a new decade. 10 years, 2020. And I believe God wants us in 2020, this year, he, I believe He wants us to sow into the decade by giving Him 2020. It's like the tithe in the Bible. When you give the first fruits of your income and you say, Father, this is yours, this belongs to you, you say in your word that the first fruits is yours. Right from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find this. And, and when the first fruits is given, the rest is blessed. It's all God's anyway. So it's not like, oh, God wants my 10%, my first fruits. It's not, it's His anyway. He's just saying, the first fruits, the first tenth is mine and you can steward the other 90. And we do that with our finances and, and I believe God's saying that about our lives now for this decade. There's some stuff going on all over the world. We all know there's an acceleration of all kinds of things taking place. You think how much has changed in the last 10 years. It's only going to accelerate more and more and more. And so we want to humble ourselves before Him this morning. Because God works in the moment right now in our lives because it's the only moment he can work in we live in the moment in the now so we can only ever live with God in the now in this moment he can take you in the spirit he can show you things in the spirit and he can all of that kind of stuff but our response to God is always in the moment right now God sees tomorrow. He sees next week, next month, next year. He sees all the things He wants to do. That's why He speaks to us now so that we live now today in the way that He wants us to so that we can then see not the things He wants to do now today, but then that moves us towards what He wants to do tomorrow, what He wants to do next week, what He wants to do next month, what He wants to do next year. Sometimes He has to say the same thing to us so many times to get us ready for what He's going to do. He, he would like to do now, but maybe said, I'm going to do it then because they took so long to listen, respond, to get to where I want to be. I don't want to be like that and I'm sure you don't want to be like that. And we don't want to be like the watchman that can see stuff and just has 
you know, it doesn't do anything. Well, he went and told the captain, but the captain didn't do anything. We want to be people who have prayed, people who go. God is speaking about people in our community, in our town, and how he sees them. God wants us to lead us into their lives. He wants us to be available. It's going to mean a change of schedule. It's going to mean messing things up in our lives. It's going to mean that we want to open our homes to to people in different ways. We can, sometimes we think revival or reformation or transformation, whatever phrase you want to use. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. It is. But it's all so messy. Last thing. York Minster, the cathedral in in York, it took 250 years to build it. It wasn't built in a few weeks. It It took 250 years from when the first part of it was started and then the day they dedicated it. 252 years. One generation after another, stonemasons, carpenters, people who make the stained glass windows or however they did it then, architects, general laborers, whatever. One generation to the next, they lived with a vision. Why did they build buildings like that? One reason only, for the glory of God. Why did they have to be so ornate, so majestic, so massive? When you think the size of those buildings in relation to the type of other buildings that were built then, they had no skyscrapers. They had no massive buildings like we do now. The only huge, vast buildings were the churches, the cathedrals that were built. Why? Because it's like these buildings need to say something about who God is how majestic He is, how awesome He is, how magnificent He is. Everything that's built needs to glorify Him. And so every person that went to work every day was living for something that they were seeing fulfilled in their day, but they were also living for something that was then going to be passed on to the next generation, that was then going to be passed on to the next generation, then to the next generation, because they were living with something generational. How I live today and what I do today to serve this vision and to serve this purpose of something that's going to glorify God is then going to help somebody else go further in that and achieve more in that next month, next year, in the next generation, the one that's going to follow. Because when this thing's finished, all the glory is going to go to God. And God wants us to have a perspective like that. That's how God wants us to see our lives. He doesn't want us to see our lives just as a day-to-day thing. He wants us to see our lives from an eternal perspective. That's why it's so important that we stir up the fire. Let's all stand together while we stir up the fire, that gift that is within us. Because as you stir up the fire that is within you, you want to live in the fullness of the now today in God because other things don't interest you in the same way as other things. It affects how you spend your money. 
not just how you spend your time and everything because you say, well, that's not really that important, just having another new this, another new that, and another new the other, even though I had one a year ago and I thought, well, I'd update it and just do it again. Half the stuff we have, we don't really need. We just like the latest thing that we've got, no matter what that is. Now, we know that God blesses us and God does stuff in our lives, but I think quite often God's going to redirect some of our spending and what we do with some of our money. And nobody else might even know what you do. I'm not talking about more offerings and more offerings. I'm talking about what we do that nobody sees, that your left hand doesn't see what your right hand is doing. God's going to redirect some stuff in our lives. It could be money, it could be time, it could be how you use your home. It could be how much stuff you got in your wardrobe. I don't know. And God says, give that away, give that away. Or no, instead of having another pair of shoes, buy somebody else a pair of shoes. When we start living like that, God can supply another pair of shoes for you. God's done all sorts of things. You've probably got all sorts of stories as well. When you live in the kingdom and you pursue God, all there is, is gain, not loss. You pursue Him, is gain, is gain. It's gain. When, by that, I don't just mean stuff. Everything increases in your life. His life, His power, His love, His sensitivity. You find His favour increases or the way His favour works just seems to increase because there's a momentum that's going on. His favour's on everybody. But it's unlocked in more than others, partly in relation to this stir up the gift that is within you. Stir up the fire that is within you. It releases stuff. It releases stuff. So if you, let's just lift our hands over this morning. Just begin to pray in tongues. If you pray in tongues, I mean, I know some people say, shouldn't pray in tongues on a Sunday because if people are in the room and there might be some of you here today that don't know Jesus, doesn't that sound a bit weird? Well, we're just praying in a God-given language for a moment because the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, in that God-given language, you edify yourself. What does it mean? You're stirring up the gift that is within you. You're stirring up that gift. It's a spiritual language that stirs up the life and the gift of the Spirit within you. It stirs up the fire that is within you. Why do we want to pray like this every day? When you get up in the morning, pray in the Spirit, in tongues. When you were in your day, you can pray in tongues. Why? Because we want to stir up that gift that is within us. So the fire of the Spirit is the thing that determines our course not something else. So Father, I thank You in these days, You're releasing the fire of Your Spirit into this church, into every congregation in a fresh way, Father, because we need to burn with Your Spirit in the way that You want us to be in this season of time, in this generation of time, because there's a world out there that needs, that needs, that needs the fire of God. The fire of God cleanses, purifies, deals with sin and addictions and everything else, but also the fire of God then fills people to enable them to live in a way that God has called us to live. Keep just, keep going, keep going for a minute. I know time's gone over and the kids might be coming in. If the kids are brought down, they can just come in and join in with what's going on for a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. 
Just pray, put some grit into it. Don't pray with your head, pray from your heart. Pray from your spirit right now. Don't just pray from there, acknowledging and just going, yeah, fine. Say, God, I surrender afresh. When you just begin to pray that, be deep, you're saying, God, take a hold of me in a fresh way. I wanna stir up that gift of fire because we want you as the all-consuming fire to be the one that grips me, that you're the one that's in control of my life. I don't wanna be in control. I relinquish the controls and give them to you afresh today so that you are Lord, you're in control, you're leading, you're defining, you're showing me the way you want me to walk in with you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, encounter nights. I want to encourage you to be here. I know if you're married, you might need to swap. One comes one night, one comes the other. Great, do it. But if you are available and there isn't a particular reason why you can't be here Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday or whatever. If there isn't a reason A reason might be, I'm at work, can't be here, but I'm with you in spirit. Well, there might be another valid reason, legit reason. But if there is no other reason for you not to be here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, I want to encourage you to be here. I'm not talking about come to a, a meeting. I'm not saying Clive wants everybody at the meeting so he feels better because everybody's here. I don't give a stuff about how I feel. I think what God's saying to us is, these are my purposes. There's things I want to do, not just the things I want to do in you is because of what I want to do through you. And I want to encourage you, if you can be here, please don't just rock up at 7.30, 7.31, 7.32. Come at 20 past. Come at 25 past. Come into the room. It's like, what are you going to do tonight, God? What are you going to do? I'm expecting, I'm expecting come with some expectancy before 7.30 even comes you can begin to pray you can begin to walk around the room you can begin to lift your hands you can pray in tongues you can exalt Him you can just begin you don't have to wait for the meeting to begin what would it look like if the meeting started before it actually started and, and we just started going there with God and worshipping, praying, desiring Him stirring up that gift that is within us why, why do we have these encounter nights the last reason it, 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 the last reason we have them is because we just want to put something in the calendar because it's a good idea and we like having meetings we gather for God's purposes we pray into God's purposes it's, to, it's every time we meet God said during these 21 days it's, to, it's for release 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 no matter when it is, whatever your watch is during the, each day that you're in the watch. So if you don't know about this, we're having prayer watches for 21 days every day. And we've encouraged everybody to know what is that hour in each day during those 21 days that you are doing your prayer watch that God has spoken to you about. Not one a week, but one a day. See, this is a fasting time. So what do we do? We fast from food. 
whatever way that looks like. We fast from other things because we're fasting one thing because we're on a release of another. And so we're setting our faces for the purposes of God. Setting our faces for the purposes of God. The Friday night, all night thing, it was, it was powerful. There was a great flow to it all through the night. There was just encounter times where nobody was leading anything. It was just worship. Other times we were praying together. Other times people were just with the word, prayer walking and declaring stuff into situations. Praying for the community, praying for the lost, praying for the nation, praying for the government, praying for Israel. There was Whatever we were praying into at any given moment, there was just release going on through the night. Why? Because the enemy goes out to play at night. And God spoke to us several times during the night. Okay, guys, I want you to pray into this right now. And as you pray, things that you're praying into, there's things that are going to stop or be stopped from happening tonight in people's lives because you're praying right now in the midnight hour, the two o'clock hour or three o'clock, whatever it was, things you're praying now are going to stop things from happening to people. At one point, God said to us, there's people that are off their heads on drugs, whatever, and I want you to pray right now in regards to that whole situation, to break addictions, this, that, the other, and I'd reveal who I am so that right now, while they're tripping, while they're off their heads, instead of seeing some weird thing that's gonna do something in their life, instead they have an encounter with me. They're gonna become fully sober and surrender everything to me because they're gonna have a vision of who I am. They're gonna see me. You see, God wants us to pray like that. He wants to be available like that. Guys, God is stepping us up some gears. He's stepping them up some gears. We can't just be Kingdom Faith Church. We rock up on a Sunday and we might go to a small group if I fancy it and and do whatever else. No, 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 no. We are not a bunch of religious people. We are not a bunch of religious people. We are people that have been called out, set apart by God to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him, to be available for Him. The last thing we want to do is church activity and just have, here's the latest thing for the next few weeks, what we're going to be up to and all of that. Will I go to this? I'll go to that. No, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Every one of us has a personal witness. We've been praying to win the one. I encourage you to do it every day, every day, every day, every day, and reach out, respond to whoever it is, because God will lead you by His Spirit into people's lives. If you need some training, how do I share my faith? How do I witness to somebody? Life Discovery are having a training day on Saturday the 1st of February at Roffey. And Jonathan Lee's Life Discovery, they've been seeing an increase of people giving their lives to the Lord over the last few months. But he's been looking at it saying, we've still got to become better. We need to be better at sharing our faith and leading people to Christ because there's more and more unsaved people coming. So he said to his team, hey guys, we're going to have a day and, or half a day and we're going to we're going to just get some people in who are brilliant at seeing people saved, who know how to train and equip and release people in seeing people saved. And we're going to, we're going to get trained, equipped. Our faith is going to be encouraged so that we can, we can see more people saved at Life Discovery. But also He said to us the other day, can we open it up so that anybody who just wants to be trained and equipped in, in sharing their faith, in leading people to Christ, the day is open for anybody. We're not, we're not trying to recruit people for Life Discovery and, and you know, to come along and we'll try and recruit you on the side. You never know, God might speak to say, get involved in that. But it's to get trained and equipped. And so John said, I don't just want to keep it to my team. If anybody wants to be there, Saturday the 1st, then they're more than welcome because we want to get trained and equipped to be more effective 
in, in reaching this harvest. God might be speaking to you over the 21 days. I'm sorry we're going over. It's really important what we're doing. I don't want to just go by the clock this morning and say, well, you ran over, you shouldn't have done. If it's caused anybody complications, I apologise. But we've got to be available for what God wants to do. During these 21 days, He might speak to you because there's next steps in all of our lives. And if God is readjusting the schedule, readjusting the timetable, He might begin to speak to you about a certain, like everything we do is through small groups, right? And so if we want to reach a particular aspect of the community, we want to do it as a small group, not just as a ministry that is detached over there, but as a small group. There might be four, five, eight, 10, 12 people that have the same heart as you do for something to reach people in a certain situation. And it might be that a small group begins to form relationship with purpose. You begin to build relationship together. You begin to pray together, work together, and move towards because there has to be an outworking of that relationship. We can't have relationship just for itself. It's relationship with purpose. God always wants to work through us to see something happen. And over these next couple of weeks, as we've got two weeks to go still, God might speak to you about stuff. He might show you and it might have come out in the prophetic words. Some of you may be, I'd love to work more with people like that or reach people like that or whatever it might look like. And we just need to be available that, to know what our next steps are, what God is saying. So I want to encourage you, get equipped to know how to share your faith, how to lead people to Christ. Pastor Connie's written a brilliant book, little booklet how to know Jesus, the red booklet. Use them, they're all free, you can take them. Don't take them and shove them on your shelf. Take them in your conversations and as you, somebody's interested, hey, can I give you this? Can I read it with you? Or do you wanna read it on your own? Do you wanna meet together? Should we pray together? It's a little tool, it's a resource, it helps us. It is seed that we can put into people's lives, but it's a tool, a resource. So you never know, just be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you over these next few weeks about what that looks like in your life what the next steps are. Because God's called us to be harvesters together. So Father, we thank you for all you've been saying and doing this morning. Thank you for what you've been doing so far this week. In the prayer watches, in the encounter nights, through the, 20, the, the, the night prayer, Friday night. There's another one this Friday, 11 p.m. It's going to go through to 6 p.m., not 7. 11 p.m. through to 6 p.m. Friday to Saturday. You can come for the whole thing. A.m., sorry, 11 p.m. Well, it could do 6 p.m. if the Holy Spirit takes over that much. 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. You can come for all of it. You can come for one hour, two, you can just whenever. But when you come in, some of it is just encountering God, being His presence, because it's worship and prayer in a people a habitation some of it is led a bit some of it might be we're just praying we're through the word and, and all of that on our own in different ways some of it is worship together some of it is just encountering God on our own it will vary through the night but it's all about victory it's about breakthrough it's about release 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 it's about stopping the enemy advancing so that he has to retreat because the kingdom of God is advancing instead that's what it's about it's not just have a prayer meeting and feel knackered after it. Not that I did. Felt energised. Went to bed, had one hour sleep, got up and went through the whole of yesterday. Energised. Had a good night's sleep last night. But it's like God amazingly graces us 
when we respond to what he says. If he says to you, go for an hour, just come for an hour. If he says go for two hours, go for two. If he says go all night, go all night. It doesn't matter. It's not about doing something for God. We can't do anything for him. Don't say, well, I'll go all night and that will bless God. He's not interested in that. Just do whatever he says to do. If he, Whatever you want our prayer, just do whatever he says to do. No more, no less. Just do what he says to do. In that, if he shows you something else, then do that. But don't put yourself under any whatever because the enemy wants to put you under condemnation but you're rubbish he wants to make you feel right just do whatever he says so Father let's just, uh, let's just put all our arms out wide as wide as you can get maybe some people in the room maybe you don't know Jesus you think Clive that guy at the front he's a little bit weird a bit unusual he's okay we're just responding to some things that God is saying it's like we're stretching our lives out wide saying to God I'm yours have it all have it all have it all and I want to stretch my life out afresh to you I want the mask to be held secure I want your word to be the defining thing in my life I want the rigging to be rooted and tied down all the decisions I make the way I live the things I think everything to be tied down in you and your word so that the sails are stretched out as tight as they can be so that as your wind blows you can move me and therefore us in the direction as a body that you call us to. Out into the places that you want to see victory in people's lives that don't know you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your mighty, wonderful, awesome name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. How many of you love Jesus? Maybe some of you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus. And this might be the first time you've been to church you might think wow this is a bit interesting a little bit out there um, maybe you've been a few times and you're just checking things out and having a look maybe some of you here who don't know you, you might be like i am not experienced something like this before but it's real you guys aren't nuts you're talking about real things in real people's lives that need help and change and transformation we're talking about a God who is real. He knows the very real need in people's lives. We're not talking about a distant figure that is miles away. We're talking about a God that is real. He loves people and wants to see them free. And you might be somebody, you might say, okay, oh, I've got some questions. Come and have a chat. I'd love to talk to you. Maybe you're saying, I'd, I want to give my life to you, surrender my life to you. If you want to do that, please come to the front. If you come with somebody, you can bring them with you. I'll be here, one or two others will be here. And we'd love to chat with you, pray with you, if that's what you want. God will never, ever violate your will, ever. He'll never push himself on you. He will respond to you when you respond to him. Because that's what love does. Love gives, and he's already given by going to the cross laying his life down for us, taking sins, his sickness, everything else on himself. That he's showed his love already. He's now waiting for people to respond to him. When people respond to him, he then responds back immediately, forgiving, healing, doing whatever needs to happen in our lives to bring us into relationship with him. And then you start a whole new adventure. You start a ride that is amazing. It's not religious. It's not formal. It's not, do I have to do this now, do that now? No. 
what you find is your desires change, your heart changes, your longing, everything you want in life changes because you have somebody else in you that has a different desire, different way of looking at everything. And instead of saying, well, if I do this, will I lose out? You give your life to God, you've got everything to gain. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.